What's up, church? How we doing, everybody? We good? Well, it is so good to have you here today at church. I want to take a minute. I want to welcome everybody who is watching online right now. And, of course, everybody who's over at that South Side, South Campus. South Campus, we love you. We love you here. We love you there. And the best way that we can welcome you is by clapping for you. So come on, put your hands together. Just welcome a few people. So good. So good. Well, uh, last week we started a brand new series that we have called Miracles, and it was fire. It was just amazing. We had a great prayer time at the end of it, Believe in God for Miracles, and we're going to be doing that each and every week. And uh, I'm excited to do that today. Uh, before we jump into our content of Miracles, I think it's appropriate that we celebrate a little bit of a miracle because next week is going to be the one-year anniversary of our merger with Lee Summit First Church, everybody. So that's, that's not a little miracle. That's a big miracle. Uh, can't wait to uh, celebrate with you. So we're going to have some stories, uh, some video stories uh, uh, to highlight and just to share, to, to, to capture a little bit of the miracle that is the merger between Lee Summit First and Summit Park. So, so thankful for what God is doing and what God is bringing about. Uh, they are working very, very uh, steadily on our new building, which, is, which we hope and pray, and this will be a miracle if it happens, Easter Sunday will be our first Sunday in the new building. So uh, the contractors uh, don't have the same faith that we have, okay? So... But we know God can do anything, and so we're praying for that. Please be praying. Please be praying because we'd love to see that happen. That would be really, really cool. Um, and so next week, we're going to be celebrating Lee Summer First merger, and we're going to be having cupcakes for everybody. So come on. Next week, it's going to be, gonna be extra sweet, all right? Extra sweet. Next week is going to be awesome. Um, all right. Well, hey, we're, we're in a series called Miracles, and we're looking at how the church in general, not, not our church, not not any other church, but the church in general, it used to be pretty good at miracles, all right? So, like, that kind of used to be what we did. That was kind of our, that was kind of our thing. We believed God for miracles, and we saw miracles. And, and now we don't, it, we don't see as many miracles. And, and so we talked about this last week, like, w some of the reasons why we don't see quite the amount of miracles as we used to see back in the day. Now, and I think, I was thinking about this, I think back in the day, um, we used to have, church was different back in the day. How many guys grew up in church? Just raise your hand at both locations. You grew up in church. A lot of people grew up in church. So, like, back in the day, how many of you know worship was, like, uh, not what it is today? Come on, somebody. Like, uh, you know, I mean, it, was, it just wasn't. I mean, I think we've gotten pretty good. Like, the worship is amazing. Like, our coffee is, like, legit. Like, it's legit, right? It's, like, legit coffee. Back in the day, not so much. Okay? Like, if you grew up in church, you remember you were really hitting it with worship when you did What a Mighty God We Serve. Come on, somebody. Any remember that? Okay? With the motions. What a mighty God we serve. And you clap like this. What a mighty God. Sister Janice on the front row with the tambourine. Come on, somebody. You know. <laughs> you remember Sister Janice. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth. And then you spun around. <laughs> Boom. Into the slow song. As the deer. Now, that was a good song. Come on, somebody. You know that still. As a deer will still move me, all right? I'm not going to lie. Okay. Um, 
But worship, worship wasn't what it is today. Coffee certainly wasn't what it is today. Sister Margaret, throw a couple scoops of Maxwell House. <laughs> okay, maybe Folgers if you were really, like, if God was really moving. You'd have some Folgers coffee in a styrofoam cup. Come on, somebody. Literally drinking that cancer right into your body. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Not appropriate. Okay, but just different, right? Church was different. But, but then we started, like, we started getting good at church, and I think we should be good. I think we should bring our best efforts. I think we should do, I think we should have amazing hospitality. And praise God, we have amazing hospitality here at Summer Park Church. I think we should have amazing kids area. I think the kids curriculum should be amazing. And the teachers should be well equipped and ready to go. And I think online should be amazing. I think all of it should be amazing. We should bring our best before the Lord. But I think we've gotten so good at, like, church that if we're not careful, we can miss out on, on actually the Spirit doing what He wants to do in, in people's hearts and lives. I really, I really believe that. And, and, and that's why I think we can ask, well, where did the miracles go? And you see, some churches don't even pray for miracles, don't even believe for miracles, don't even really think like that it's possible today. Like, miracles, like, isn't that just a fancy spiritual word for coincidence? And, and, and that, that's where we can live if we're not careful. And so what we're talking about is we're getting back to our roots, everybody. That's what we're talking about in this series. We're talking about the miraculous because the reality is God never left the miracle working business. He never left it. He's been in it since the beginning, and he's, he's always been in it. When you look at the Old Testament, miracle after miracle after miracle, God, he was doing miracles. Like, in moments, he would do miracles. And then in the New Testament, the moments become a movement. And now you have miracle after miracle. Jesus is doing it. You, 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 when you read the New Testament, you read Jesus is doing miracles one after another after another. You, it's hard to get through a couple of chapters without seeing a miracle. And so, so where did the miracles go? And, well, and then you look at the, uh, the Acts of the Apostles, the New Testament church, full of miracles, one right after another. All right, what happens? Why did they stop? And that's what we're talking about in this series, getting back to our roots, believing God to do great things, because God is still very much in the miracle-working business. Can I get an amen? He is. He is. And so we're, we're talking about some different miracles. We're going to be going through different miracles of the Bible and learning some of these principles, looking at Jesus' ministry and saying, why did they experience it then, and how can we experience it now? And so then at the end of every service during this series, we're going to be praying that God will do the miraculous. We're praying for healing. We're praying for reconciliation. We're praying for provision. We're praying for wisdom, divine wisdom. We're praying for encouragement. We're praying for hope, and we are experiencing it already. And so if you, and, and I just want to say this, if you have experienced a miracle, or if you experience a miracle over the next couple of days, weeks, months as we go through this, email us, all right? Email me, scott, at summitparkchurch.com, all right? 
Yes, I did just share my email with all of y'all, okay? And I would love to hear from you because I'd love to share uh, what God is doing and keep the faith encouraged as we go through this series, all right? And so today we're going to be looking at a, a miracle in Jesus' ministry found in Luke chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to Luke chapter 7. If you have your phones, you can open up the Bible app or the Summit Park Church app, Luke chapter 7. We'll also have the verses on the screen, but today I want to look at the miracle of the centurion's servant, centurion's servant, and how the centurion's faith in Jesus amazed Jesus. It amazed Jesus. Luke chapter 7, verse 9. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Everybody say amazed. Come on, everybody with strength at both locations, say amazed. amazed. He was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. He says, I've been, I've been with you all for a long time, and the people who believe in God don't even have as much faith as this person who does not believe in God. And he says, this is amazing. And, and the word amazed is the word thumazo, okay? Uh, it's kind of a fun word, thumazo. Everybody say thumazo. Tomazzo. Uh, I don't think it's quite with the Italian uh, vernacular there, but anyways, it's fun to say. But it means marveled or amazed. It means marveled. It's, it's amazed. And, and you got to think about this, but this is Jesus who was amazed. Now, it's got to be hard to amaze Jesus, Right? Because he's seen some pretty amazing things, being the son of God, <laughs> here since the creation of the world. You know, it's kind of like, you know, the, the Ozark Mountains. Come on, don't you love the Ozark Mountains? It's great. Driving to Branson. It's just a good time. You know, going through the hills. It's so much fun. How many know, like, you know, if that's where you're from, you're, like, really proud of it. You're like, oh, man, this is, you bring someone. You, yeah, come on, somebody. Yeah, represent. Um, but if you're like, if you're driving down to Branson, you're just like, oh, man, this is great when the leaves change. It's just really, it's just awesome. And how many know, like, if you, you, you know, you brought a friend on a road trip who lived in Kansas their whole life, they'd be like, wow, that's amazing. How many know not the same response as someone grew up in Colorado? <laughs> like, like, you call these mountains? <laughs> these are foothills, right? Like. It's just, or Lake of the Ozarks. Come on, somebody. Lake of the Ozarks. It's great. Good time. Good, good time. Unless you grew up on Lake Michigan. <laughs> like, like, you call this a lake? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just all about perspective. Last year, uh, my, my, uh, we took our kids to Florida, and we were looking for seashells. And so Sanibel Island, great little place to go looking for seashells. And so we went to Sanibel, and we were looking for these conch shells, like these little conch shells, the fighting conch shells. They're so much fun. And, like, we spent a whole day, and we're looking for these shells. And we, like, we, like, we found, like, maybe, like, three or four of them. And whoever found them was, like, the champ. They're like, oh, I got one. And people were trying to take it. like, no. And so, like, so excited that they found one, you know. And then, so then the next day, we couldn't go back there. Uh, because it was a storm, but the storm had come in, and we went down to San Marco Island. And so great thing is to go seashell hunting after a storm. 
It was actually a hurricane. Tropical storm came through uh, that turned into a hurricane. And so we went the next day and we went to San Marco Island and went to this place and the conch shells were everywhere. It was, it was just so much fun. And we're like, we're like, we have so much, we're bringing bags. We're filling bags, grocery, Walmart bags, sticking them in our pockets. After a while, after a while, we're like, we don't have any more room. So we're like, we're like, and it's like, oh, there's another one. You're like, oh, oh, well. You know, like, what was this? Oh, my goodness became, oh, well. That's what, that's what can happen when you're, you know, exposed to a lot of amazing things, right? That's Jesus. He's been, he's seen some pretty amazing faith, right? Think about Abraham trusting God, being willing to sacrifice Isaac. That's some pretty amazing faith. You think about Moses lifting up his arms to lead the people when all he sees is water and he said, God told me, so I'm going to do it. And then the Red Sea parts. Or you think about David just sauntering up to Goliath, right? Saying, I, this, this Goliath is nothing compared to my God. He's going down. Or you think about Daniel being brave and being tossed into a den of lions. You think about the faith that Jesus has seen. Some pretty amazing faith, right? And yet, this centurion, his faith amazes Jesus. He's like, I've seen some amazing seashells, but I've never seen a seashell like this. I've seen some amazing faith, but this is absolutely amazing. I want, to, I want to look at this passage because what this centurion does is he shows us how to have a faith to believe God for the miraculous, how to cultivate your spirit in such a way that, that you will experience the miraculous in your life. He does this. He does this, and he shows us how, all right? So if you're ready for a miracle and you're ready to jump in, say, I am. Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion servant whom his master highly valued was sick and about to die. Now, pause, put a pin in that just for a second. This only makes sense if you understand uh, who a centurion was in that day. Centurion, Roman soldier, over, again, Rome is the occupying regime, right? They're occupying Israel, and Israel doesn't like them there. So they're occupying, and a centurion's job is to keep the people in line. It's to keep the people from doing, from paying taxes, not from paying taxes, but uh, that'd be amazing, uh, but paying taxes and keeping them from, from getting into trouble. And so you have this, you know, this animosity in the relationship between Roman centurions and the people. Usually, usually you would have this. But, but not in this case. This is different because this centurion is different. Verse 3, the centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. We're going to come back and kind of tease that out here in just a little bit. So Jesus went with them. I don't know why Jesus went with them. It certainly wasn't the reasoning that they gave. It wasn't that, but it, Jesus, I think, is intrigued by the situation. We don't know why, but he does go. The story continues. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to him and said, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve 
to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But just say the word. Everybody say, say the word. Say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. This is what amazes Jesus. Look, verse 9. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And turning to the crowd, said, I tell you, I've not seen great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Quick recap. Centurion animosity usually with the Jewish people. This guy, because he built synagogues and was kind to the people, he had endeared himself to the people. And so he has a servant, most probably a Jewish person whom, whom he loves and is sick. And he says, hey, I, I want this. I've heard about this Jesus who's in this healing business. I've heard he's got power. And he says to the Jewish people, he's like, I don't understand all your faith, but can you go get that guy and bring him to me? And at some point along the way, maybe he changes his mind and, and then he sends some other people and says, hey, listen, you don't even need to come. I'm not worthy to have you in my house, but if you'll just say the word, he will be healed. And Jesus is like, that's amazing. Then he comes back and the servant was instantly made well. I believe what happens in this story is that you have a centurion who has been cultivating his heart for the miraculous. He's been cultivating his heart for the miraculous, and he puts himself in a position to experience God do something great in his life. And I want to give you four ways that he cultivated a faith for the miraculous. And if you and I will apply this in our own life, we can experience the miraculous as well. Number one, he had a heart for God's people. Number two, he understood God's authority. Number three, he believed outside the box. And number four, he asked God for help had a heart for God's people, understood authority, believed outside the box, and he asked God for help. We're going to look at these four things, tease these out, apply them to our lives, and we're going to walk better and hopefully experience miracles in our life as a result. All right, everybody, before we do, turn to three people and say, wow, you have an amazing faith. Come on, tell three people, say, wow, you have an amazing faith. Some of the wows weren't very enthusiastic. I'll just be honest. It's like, I heard some wow. Kind of like Owen Wilson. Wow. Wow. Number one, how does the centurion cultivate his faith? He had a heart for God's people. He had a heart for God's people. This miracle does not happen unless this centurion has a good relationship with the Jewish people, right? Because these Jewish people aren't going to do anything for him that they don't have to do. But they are willing to go get Jesus because they had built a good relationship. Somewhere along the line, he moved from just, just being the boss to like being their friend and taking care of them. He built synagogues for them. He's, he's treated them well. He's endeared them, himself to them. I don't know why he did that, why he stood out so much from all the other centurions, but he did. There was something about this centurion that started caring for God's people. And I believe 
that that was critical for him to be in the place that he was to experience the miraculous. And I think the same is true for us today. If you want to position yourself to experience miracles in your life, you've got to have a heart for, for the things that God cares about. And you know what God cares about? People. He cares about people. Why does he care about people? Because, because we are made, every person on this planet is made in the image of God. So, so all of us have value. Every single person from every country, from every religious background, every person has value and God loves them. God, God wants to redeem them. God has a plan for their life. The thing that God cares most about is people. Say, Scott, prove it. Okay, Jesus dying on a cross for the sins of the world because he, he so loved the world. God loves people. And when we start caring for people, we put ourselves in a position to experience the miraculous. When you care for the unborn, when you care for the person who's hurting, the disenfranchised, the refugees that we're supporting, when you, pair, when, you, when you care for the oppressed, for those in need, when you start physically meeting the needs of those around you, you literally are starting, we've talked about this at Vision, you are starting to line yourself up with God's work. God has a heart. God cares for people. God wants to help people. That's why outreach is a major focus for us this year. Always is, but we're making it a point of emphasis. Saying, hey, let's all go on an outreach this year. Let's do something. Let's not just continue to get more and more, but let's, let's give back. Let's, let's bless others, and let's line our heart with the kingdom of God. You know, there's a tendency in, in church. I believe this is one of the reasons we don't experience the miraculous, because there's a tendency in church. It's like, oh, Lord, just bless me. Keep on blessing. Bless, 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 and you're already blessed out of your mind right you've already got more than you've like you've already so blessed but it's like oh it's never just keep blessing me lord let me just tell you this this is why churches die this is why churches die because it's just oh lord i need more blessing bless 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 us for no more the church of the frozen chosen And we're not, we're, not, we're not helping anybody else. It's just more about me and me. But God doesn't want to just flow to you. He wants to flow through you. This is, this is true. I believe there's nothing that turns off the spigot of the miraculous faster than just being about ourselves. He's like, actually, that's not what I'm about. Because he's not about he, I mean, he, he's about bringing glory to his name. But he's so good that out of his goodness, he gives. We should have that heart. And when we line, when we put ourselves in a position where we're meeting needs around us, physical needs, spiritual needs, this is why getting in a small group is so important. It's like, well, I'm good. I've got all the friends I need. Okay, good for you. <laughs> but there's some people who need some encouragement because it's not just about you. And if you would say, God, I, I don't know, I'm going to show up to a group and maybe someone needs prayer. Maybe someone needs encouragement. I'm believing for a miracle. And while I'm waiting for mine, I'm going to help be an answer for theirs. I'm going to line up. 
This is the way it works. Physically meeting needs, spiritually meeting needs, saying, God, I'm going to put myself, I want that, I want heaven to open up on my life. Well, where's heaven is meeting needs. That's what Jesus came to do. It's what Jesus did constantly. So if you'll put yourself in a position where there are needs around you that you're praying for and that you actually give a rip about, you might just start seeing miracles. That's, that's what we need to be. That's where we need to be. That's what the centurion was. He cultivated his heart, and God's like, I like that. And he started, as he had a heart for the things of God, he started having more of a heart for the things of God. That's how that works. That's how that works. All right, number two, he understood God's authority. Now, this really is the essence of this passage, right? This is the essence of this passage. Verse 8, he says, For I myself am a man under authority, this is centurion talking, with soldiers under me, and I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes, and I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. So I don't know how much of the Jewish faith this centurion understands. I don't know how much he understands. It couldn't be as certainly as much as the Jewish elders, right? But, but, but he understands enough about authority. He understands that power comes from authority. In his world, as a centurion, the more power you had, the more authority you had. That's how the world works. You know, some, some might have been over 10 soldiers, some maybe over 20, 50. As a centurion, he was over 100. But he wasn't Caesar either. So he was somewhere in middle management. Anybody in middle management in the house? <laughs> You've got some authority, but not total authority. That's a centurion. So he's got, he's got some authority, and he understands how this works. And he's like, hey, listen, I can say to this one, go when he goes. And all you need to do is speak the word. His understanding of authority drove him to believe for the miraculous. Same is true for you and me. Is God the authority? Let me just tell you this. Jesus is the authority. Jesus has authority. And he's got all the authority needed to bring about the miraculous in our life. Revelation chapter 1 says, do not be afraid. This is Jesus talking. And the reason he says this is because when he shows up and John the, uh, the revelator who's having this vision is a little bit freaked out. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. He says, I'm the first and the last. I am the living one. Come on, church. How many know he's not dead? He is alive. And he says, I was dead. And now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And because of that, I hold the keys of death and Hades. Death, hell, and the grave. He holds the keys. He has the authority because he is the authority. God has the authority. He has the authority to drive out sickness. He has the authority to deliver from addiction, to restore relationships. He has the authority to provide. He has the authority to help in every situation that we face. He is an overcoming God, and he has the authority that we need. So when we pray, we pray to the one who was and the one who is to come and who has authority. So that keeps us from praying weak powerless prayers 
God, I don't know if you have it as high, but if you maybe just make a little bit of exception for me. I'm just down here just living my life. I know you're busy and everything, but I just need to take some time. No! <laughs> he has the authority, and he wants to give us the authority. Look what Paul says. Paul says, the one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Come on, that's a big bad God right there. He's not weak, and we don't come to him in weakness. We come knowing that he has the authority. And guess what? He has given you the authority that he has. We talked about this last week, Matthew chapter 10. Jesus called his 12 disciples. Every time you see a disciple, that word is for you in the, in the Bible. To him, and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. He gives, he has authority and he gives us authority. And so we move forward in authority. That's why when you pray for someone, you pray in the, in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus. And it's powerful. It's powerful. It's not weak. It's strong. And it's believing God for the great things that he can do. I believe that what amazes Jesus about the centurion is not the amount of faith that he has, but it's where he has placed his faith. Where has he placed it? In Jesus, right? In, in, in the authority of Jesus. Interesting, the religious leaders don't do that. Where are they placing their authority? Let's, let's look at verse 4. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. What are they trusting in? The centurion's goodness. Isn't that what we do? Isn't that what we do? God, you, I did this. I served in that kid's area, Lord, for five weeks straight. And they made fun of me. You need to come through for me. I gave in that offering. I gave to forward. I gave to kingdom builders. I checked every box. I did this. I did that. What's that? That's religion. That's religion. But see, what the religious leaders don't understand, the centurion fully understands. Look at this, verse six. Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. The centurion knows more about God and experiencing God's miracles than the religious leaders. It's not about I deserve and I'm entitled and you need to do this and you're a, basically a, a genie and I'm rubbing the lamp so you need to do this. It's basically, it, no, that's not, that's not how this works. It's like, God, I don't deserve anything, but God, I know you are good and you do good and I'm praying in the name of Jesus. You have the authority. You've given me authority, so I'm believing you with all that I am. Different, different. I'm putting my faith in you. He understood authority. Third thing is that he believed outside the box. He believed outside the box. At least as far as we know, nobody had ever said to God or Jesus, just say the word and it will be done. 
How many of you know after that moment, people started saying that? <laughs> like, hey, I heard the centurion say, uh, just say the word, so I'm going to go try that. Jesus, all you need to do is say the word. We say that today, like, oh, we, we, on his authority. We're about to sing a song at the end. On his authority, like, it's become a whole part of our, of our, our DNA. But, but what's interesting is that it doesn't happen before. Who knew that Jesus could do that? Who knew? I mean, before, he had always laid his hand on him. Or before he said, like, he'd been there in person and said, hey, go, you know, cleanse yourself in the river. Like, or he'd take mud. He did a bunch of different things, but no one had ever tried to just say it. It's interesting. There's only one person who knew that Jesus could do that. Jesus. And yet, Jesus doesn't do that at first. This is really interesting. The centurion sends the elders to come get Jesus, and Jesus is like, okay, and he starts going. I don't know. And I get, you know, if I'm Jesus, I'm like, hey, guys, I'm real busy today. We're about to do some, you know, feeding of the 5,000. There's some demons that need to be cast out right here. And I'm just going to, here's the little thing. You don't know this yet. I'm just going to say the word, <laughs> and it's going to happen. It's going to be amazing. Just trust me. Any type A people out there know what I'm talking about? It's like, let's just get this thing done, right? But Jesus doesn't do it. Jesus goes. His faith triggered something that Jesus had not done before. I wonder how many miracles get left on the table because we don't believe outside the box. We put God in a box. Like, you've done it this way. You have to do it this way. This is the way that it gets done. It's got to be this person who prays for me. Or this miracle is too big. See, it's not about who prays for you. It's about the one who you're praying to. It's full-on faith. God, I'm believing you. I'm trusting you. And I, I'm believing you for anything. So this could, be, this could be a cancer that the doctors have said, there is no way that this is going to happen. And you got, God, I'm going to believe you outside the box. I'm going to believe you outside the box. I'm going to believe that you could do anything. Because God is capable of doing anything. There's a story in, in the Old Testament, story of Joshua. Joshua chapter 10, where... Joshua is moving forward. He's taking possession of the promised land that God has given to him. And Joshua asked the Lord to stop the sun so they can finish off their enemy. So like they're, they're in the battlefield. They're fighting. And Joshua's like, hey, I'm trying to do this. We're trying to take possession of the promised land. But we're running out of daylight. So would you mind just stopping the sun? Nobody's ever prayed that before. And God's like, Josh, you crazy, man. Like, there's no way. I'm, you know what is going to happen if I stop the sun? I'm going to have to do all kinds of miracles to keep this world from blowing up, basically. No. God's like, okay. Okay. I see how you do. Yeah. Okay, sure. It's like Jesus with the paralyzed man. Jesus with the paralyzed man who his friends bring him, right? And they climb up on the roof. Jesus is in this room and he's teaching. And they just start, you know, tearing up the roof. 
you know, can you imagine just how awkward this is? Can you imagine someone just like ripping up the roof right now while we're talking? Yeah, just lowering some dude right there. And, she, and like, it all happens, and this is a small room, and, and it's like, you know, Jesus getting the dirt, you know, from the roof on his face, and watch every just lower him down. And, and what he doesn't say is, I'm sorry, you, you completely ruined my message here. Like, this is really awkward, and I'm going to have to ask you to get in the back of the line. Take a number. And I was like, you guys just thought outside the box. Okay. There's something about that that amazes him. The woman who has the issue of blood, and she just says, no one ever said, if I could just grab a hold of his garment before. Nobody ever thought that, but she thought that. She believes outside the box. She's like, if I could just grab a hold of Jesus, it's going to be okay. So she grabs a hold, and Jesus, what happens? Power. He says, I just felt power come through. Like, she believed We put God in a box, and so we miss out on the miracle. Some of you might be in a relational situation, and you say, there's no way God can do this. Yes, there is. God can do anything. Don't put him in a box. Believe outside. The physical healing, the financial provision, the wisdom that you need, God can speak it in a moment and change you and help you and come through for you. This is who he is. This is what he does. And he's very good at it. Question is, are we going to believe him? Are we going to believe him? And that leads me to the last thought, and it's this, and asked the worship team to come. He asked God for help. Say, that's so elemental. But this is, we really need to hear this because The centurion could have said, hey, I'm just going to try to take care of my servant. I'm just going to medicate him the best that I possibly can. And I'm a full believer in medicine. Just want you to know that, full believer. But he could have taken all, like he could have done only what he could have done. I'm going to try to make him comfortable. Just hope that he gets better. Nothing wrong with hope. But hope is different than prayer. Hope is different than prayer. Hope, Hope is different than faith in God. I just hope something happens. No, believing God something will happen is different. Praying and seeking God for something to happen is different. And that's what this guy does. And he doesn't even know God. He doesn't even know God. And he believes. He's willing to put his faith in God. Are you willing to put your faith in God? Are you willing to say, God, I'm, I'm trusting you. I'm going to, I'm, I'm believing you. I'm going to come forward and I'm going to pray and I'm going to see a miracle in Jesus' name. James chapter four, brother of Jesus says this, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. He knew, he knew Jesus' heart. He spent a lot of time with Jesus. He says, you don't have what you want because you're not asking God. That's why we're praying. That's why we're taking time. We're praying for people's needs, whatever they are. And and that's why it's important to get out of your seat. And that's why we're going to anoint you with oil. Because in James, actually, the next chapter says, if if there's any sick among you, to anoint them with oil. And that the prayer offered in faith will heal the sick person. The Lord will raise them up. There is healing power that happens in the presence of God in the community of believers. And there's something powerful that happens when you step out and step forward. 
It's, it, there's, it's putting your faith in action in, very, in a very real way. And there's a blessing there. I, I think that's what James says. And so that's what we're going to be praying for. So would you stand with me all across this place? We're going to take a few moments in worship. And, and if you don't have a need, um, you could be praying maybe for somebody who does. But we're going to take some time. We're just going to seek the Lord and, and worship God and, and welcome the presence of God. There's something powerful about that. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down. And we're going to pray. As we do, I want to share a testimony with you. Our very own uh, family life director, Zach Green, has a, has a miracle that they experience. He and his wife experienced a miracle. There's nothing, there's no other way to describe it. They'd prayed for months and months and months that they would have a baby. And if you remember a year ago, almost to the day, a year ago, we prayed during a weekend service where Zach Green had preached and on a Thursday night, we, we prayed that God would, he would change the situation. And the whole church prayed and last week, they gave birth to a sweet, precious baby girl, baby, little baby Collins. We have a picture right here. Look at that right there. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Jen and I got a chance to visit with them earlier this week, and, and man, they were just so overjoyed, so overjoyed at how God had come through for them. He wants to come through for you, and he can, and there is nothing that he can't do. We just gotta, we've got to put our faith. It's, it, it's, it's, it's not about, oh, I have so much faith. It's the size of a mustard seed. That's all he needs. He just needs it in him, and he can do what, you, what we could never do. So let's just take a moment. Can we lift our hands all across this place? We're going to pray, and then we're going we're gonna to pray for people. Father, we just welcome your presence. We welcome your spirit. We pray that, God, you would come and you would do something significant right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would move in power, that you would move in power. And, God, we're going to come to you with our needs. We're going to put our faith in you, and we pray that your spirit would come and do what you are so good at doing. Do the miraculous, Father, we pray. And, God, we thank you for it. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a need, please come down to the front. We'll direct you to someone to pray for you. The rest of us, let's just spend some time enjoying the presence of God and giving him glory.